So, Calvin, we are once again starting this podcast, and I just want to take the time to let everyone know a little story about Calvin. You know, Calvin is the dynamic artistic force between all the sound editing and mixing of this podcast, and sometimes that can weigh on him. Sometimes the unbearable weight of massive talent can get to Calvin. And every now and then, every now and then, I need to send Calvin a message and remind him who he is and just say, listen, man, you are Cal fucking Vin. Whoa, you kick ass at this shit. What a beautiful second intro. I'm sorry, we've we've had to do this like three different times. It has been such a mess. So, <laughs> um, we this is going to be the first episode of this season that we're having to do virtually. Um, I I got exposed to somebody that tested positive for COVID, so uh, just play it safe. We're doing this virtually, which is a bummer because I was really excited to talk about this with you in person. We had we had plans for a tailgate. It was going to be magnificent. <laughs> um but yeah uh so welcome back to this podcast is for nerds um this is another media club it's our second in a row and it just took uh sonic and nicholas cage to get zach back in the theater i guess <laughs> honestly yeah it it was just it was that but also just you know when everyone's rushing back especially coming out of you know covid or at least transitioning to a new stage of like where COVID sits in the U.S. right now, wasn't really sure if I was in a mood to rush back to a, <laughs> a tiny room filled with heavy breathers and butter popcorn. But alas, alas, as Calvin stated, Nick Cage and Sonic the Hedgehog, a.k.a. Ben Schwartz, were able to coax me inside the movie theaters again. It's a, it's a beautiful thing. I think we're in a, a really good time for uh, original movies. Uh you know, we have we have this, uh, what we're reviewing, which I don't, Zach has teased. Um, it's massive. Um, we saw The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent, which is a, a Nicolas Cage film. Um, and then I just saw Everything Everywhere All at Once, which I think we need to do an episode on. Because um, it could be recency bias, but I think it's possibly in my top like 20 movies of all time right now. I definitely need to watch that because that's honestly very high praise for you. Yeah, I uh, I highly recommend it. I really think you're going to dig it too, um, just as like a uh, fighting. I think you're a fan of like martial arts. Um, I, th- I think you're really going to like it, and it's super fun and slapsticky. So, but that's not what we're talking about today. Today we are talking about unbearable weight of massive talent. Um. So this is a movie uh, where Nicolas Cage stars a fictionalized version of himself. Um, He's kind of down on his luck. He's out of money. And uh, he gets an invite from this Spanish guy who's super rich. And he's just looking for a weekend with Nicolas Cage. He's going to give him a million dollars to do it. Um, So he does it. And the movie's kind of focused on their relationship and what happens when he he flies out to, to Spain. Um, so Zach, what's your, what's your spoiler free review of unbearable weight? My unbiased, unspoiled and overall 
<laughs> it's weird to do this a third time in a row. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> See, I've already said what I feel about the movie. <laughs> this just reminds me of our first time recording, the lost recording that no one will ever find, and then having to do that all again, too. It's, it's really funny, honestly. But that said, I honestly really enjoyed the movie. I'm going to give it a 5 out of 5 because I was not able to really know what was going to happen. Most movies, I can kind of guess the plot and figure out what character's going to do what. And I guess the the more human elements of it towards the end, you kind of could figure out, like, the overall... Like, if you look at it back, I could say, oh, you know, part of the ending that was more focused around uh, people, I guess you could say, I could see that happening. But it wasn't also one of those things that, like, led me to believe it would have turned out that way. Like, if the opposite had happened of how it ended... It also would have surprised. It also would have been a huge surprise. So, five out of five because it kept me guessing. That's great. Yeah. Um, so for me, like as a a massive Nicolas Cage fan who was like eating up all the references that the movie was giving us, um, yeah, I thought it was great. There's there's a certain aspect to the movie that I didn't really enjoy, um, but I want to save it for the spoiler filled version. But there is a kind of a B plot that I don't find super interesting. And I feel like kind of took away from, from the moments that um, Nicholas Cage and his co-star Pedro Pascal go through. So um, I think I gave this like a 3.5 or a four out of five on uh, on letterbox. So yeah, I would say like if you're a passing fan of Nicholas Cage, you'll have a good time. If you don't like him at all, I would say definitely skip this movie um, because it is him to 11. Like he is, like this is clearly like an extreme version of Nicolas Cage. This is like him at his like most Nicolas Cagey. Um, so yeah, if if you don't like him, I'd say skip it. But if you're a fan, definitely definitely go. It's fun. It's an original story. It's heartwarming and uh, yeah. Um, so let's let's jump into the into the plot and and some spoilers. Um, so. <clears throat> So what did you think of um, the overall plot? So the, the plot is, you know, Nicolas Cage gets invited to this guy's, uh, you know, McMansion out in uh, Mallorca and gets to kind of learn a bit about him. What, what did you think about that? And then Nick's relationship with Pedro Pascal's character. So um, I think, again, it was one of those things that I just didn't know really what to expect from it. Like, from the get-go, you can tell it's a very self-deprecating Nicolas Cage movie. You can, like, if you watch any of the, the, the Red Band trailers or anything like that, you kind of got the gist of, like, the overall, but not really understanding, like, how close they'd actually get or how, um, I guess, rivaling plots in each of the characters' backgrounds would come to um, clash with each other. And... I think they did a really great job of mixing in, like, fanciful elements that action movies are known to have versus, like, hey, you're a regular guy. Go fuck yourself. Like, you can't do X, Y, Z. This isn't a movie. You're not, you're an actor. You're not this real person, which I thought was, they added a lot of weird, weird but cool layers to the movie. Um, and then helped, like, explore both of their characters. I'm honestly really curious about later on in the podcast where you talk about the B plot that you didn't care for, only because I think it's the same thing that you and I mock and make fun of in every kind of movie that they try to shoehorn this into, just like we did with Sonic. But I'm curious to see if that parallels or not. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think you make a great point. Um, 
Yeah, so the, I, now that we're in the spoiler-filled uh, part of the podcast, I'll just bring it up now. Um, Eight minutes in. Yeah, spoiler time. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's spoiler time. Go, go see the movie and then come back and listen to this. Um, oh, I didn't even say our social media. Like we gotta, we gotta, pr- we gotta promote ourselves. Um, <laughs> damn it! In the video, in the video, I'm posting uh, a little bit later on after we're recording today of the mock-up that I made of us uh, that they went to go watch Sonic. It's actually pretty funny. I put the I put the soldiers in twice because I did forget and cut off half of it during that matchup. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would rather have it twice than not at all. So that's perfectly <laughs> fine by me. Um, so follow us on social media: Instagram, this pod is for nerds; uh, Twitter, this pod is the number four nerds; and then this pod is for nerds at gmail.com. Um, I will say we are going to be posting videos on Spotify now. Spotify has video podcasts, so we're going to put up a video of this podcast um, and make sure you uh, rate us on Spotify so people can find us. Wait, they, they do? That's awesome. Yeah, well, it's it started with uh, Mr. Rogan, um, and then I just got an email um, from them on our, on our Gmail that said we can start uploading uh, video podcasts, so... I'm going to do that. Oh, man. We're going to have to start, like, putting it in production. I, I know, right? Yeah. Yeah, our, our next uh, our next episode, we, we definitely need to do in person. I'm going to start cutting down for all of you, five people who listen, just so you know, I don't, I don't embarrass myself in front of you. You know, just the, the voice has to match the bod, right? Like, that's what we're looking for here. That's why we're here. No one's going to be disappointed with the body <laughs> matching your voice. That is, it, whatever you have in your head, it is accurate. um yeah so yeah the the thing that i really didn't like about the movie and it's really it's like a nitpick it's not that big of a deal because like the movie is basically i don't know if you saw the interview um with uh james franco and seth rogan where they go to assassinate um kim jong kim jong-un that i mean that's basically what this movie is um oh crap you're right i mean but I, i think this is better um but the the thing I'm, I wasn't crazy about was the um, like the FBI agents uh, Tiffany Haddish and and Ike Barinholtz. I, to be clear, I like both of them. I think they're both hilarious. I think Tiffany Haddish is fucking hilarious. I don't know if you saw the um, the new Eric Andre movie um, where it's like him doing like pranks out in real life. It, I mean, it's basically him doing the Eric Andre show, but as a movie. Um, and Tiffany Haddish was in it. What was it called? Um, oh, Bad Trip. Oh yeah, <laughs> I didn't see it, but I, yeah, okay. <laughs> I highly recommend it. Um, I th- I thought she was great in that. I I just like, I didn't find them super interesting. And I thought like them like constantly going back to them. It was like, well, I, I want to see like what's going on with Nick and and Pedro Pascal. So it's a total nitpick. Um, uh, overall, I I think the plot was was great. I mean, it clearly serviced. Um, you know basically you know it's 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 a love letter to Nicolas cage and all the movies he's done um i mean also i'm loving the uh, paddington 2 love that the that the movie gives i've been telling i've been telling my partner for uh, at least i don't know when did when did paddington 2 come out uh let me i'm gonna pull this up here uh 2017 since it came out i've been telling her it is the perfect film that film is flawless and everyone should go see it and so after we saw the movie, after we saw Unbearable Weight, we immediately went home and I made her watch Paddington 2. She thought it was delightful. I, 
<laughs> I can't tell if you're fucking with me right now. No, Paddington 2 <laughs> is a 10 out of 10 movie. It is a perfect film. No, you're fucking with me. You have to be. I, I promise you. I promise you I'm not. I, I pray you go watch that movie when you get home. Or like, after this podcast, go watch it. <laughs> I, I don't think this thing I can fit through on my own. I don't know if I have the attention. I, I can't do that. I have to. You know what? I'll wait for the family to get here yeah. and make them do it. <laughs> yeah. And then you know what the funny part is, too? I'll be like, hey, it's like, it's like Nick Cage said, we got to watch it. But at least get the kid in here to watch it. Yeah. <laughs> you just let him know that Calvin also agrees with with Pedro Pascal's character. Um. <laughs> then, yeah, if you if you, that's one of those like key things, like if you didn't see the this movie, you wouldn't get what we're talking about. But it's hilariously like it's one of those things they keep coming back to. Comedy comes in threes; they keep referencing it. It's hilarious. The part that I thought that you were going to talk about that you didn't care for was like. Nick's family aspect and how they kind of tried to repair the relationship with that one. Cause like, I will say that that was pretty funny. Um, when they bring the family out to like help him, uh, I guess we're getting too far into the plot if we kind of jump into that, but how they basically, he tries to apologize and his, his daughter and his ex just shit on him for it. It was just hilarious. Like I know those people probably wouldn't have laughed at that, but it was just hilarious how they did it. Like, Oh yeah, whatever. This is fucking dumb. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's basically a non-apology he gives them. Um, you know, I, no, I actually, I, it is, it is definitely, it was cliched, the, the whole family dynamic, but I found it heartwarming and I felt like it was part of his, his character growth in the movie. So I felt it was kind of necessary. Um, and I just love the, the song that he wrote for his daughter, um, for her birthday. <laughs> I did forget about that. Yeah. I, you know, you mentioned the FBI aspect of it too, and you know, I liked how, even though it didn't really have a place, I liked how the movie kept making fun of itself for the direction it was going. Like, we were living out Nick Cage and, um, I forget his name in the movie, and Hobby's, like, movie plan changing over time with the subplot of, like, the whole, like, FBI thing. It definitely got way too real. At some point, they really did had a drastic tone shift for the movie, where it was just like, "Wait a minute!" Oh yeah, there's the scene where Ike Barinholtz is just dead, like he just gets shot Dude, in the head. <laughs> okay, I thought he was just like knocked out, and they're like, "Oh, kill her too." I was like, "Wait a minute!" They're oh, they're dead. Oh, oh, they're dead. Okay, yeah. Wow. I guess my uh, I guess my bigger issue is how incompetent they are as FBI agents. <laughs> I yeah, I just. It's funny because, like, Ike Barinholtz, whenever he shows up, you know you're in for a good time. And I feel like with the minute like, you saw him, you was like, okay, this is going to be a comedy movie. And then he gets shot in the head and Tiffany Haddish gets shot, too. And it's like, what the hell? But then Nick Cage makes that with his 25-year-old self, too. So, you know. Oh, yeah. So, I, I wanted to get into that. <laughs> so, we'll start talking about the plot and then we can fill in, like, points that we want to discuss a little further. So... The movie is Nicolas Cage. He's a struggling actor. Um, and so there's like a scene where he's kind of talking with this. It must be like a, a casting agent or a director. And um, he's trying to, you know, audition for this role. And, and it's just, it doesn't seem to be going well. He's not getting many movies. I mean, he's basically doing what he does, which is like, and less so now. I, I, I actually, I honestly think Nicolas Cage is doing some of his best work he's ever done right now. Um, 
you know, my favorite, one of my favorite, it might be my favorite movie from last year was a Nicolas Cage movie. It was Pig. Um, so fucking good. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so there's, so that happens and it, it's clear like that guy's not going to give him the role. And then he's like driving and then you see his little Nicky version of himself. And they basically took Nick Cage and did the de-aging software. So I'm sorry, I'm it, trying not to laugh. No, it's it's it's, it's really bad. Like, the, <laughs> I, I shouldn't say it's bad. It's just like when I compare it to other de-aging that they've done in movies, like Star Wars, it doesn't look good. But I guess that's kind of it's kind of funny in that way. I don't know. Was it distracting for you? It wasn't distracting because it just wasn't like it just worked you know like i was curious how they did it when because that's the one thing you know people saw him yell in the movie like oh you're nick cage fucking cage wow like that's i when it happened i thought oh it's gonna happen i'm not gonna like be intrigued but i was intrigued because it kept going like that wasn't even my favorite quote of young nicky I was like, this guy's fucking smooches hard. Tell everyone, Nick Cage smooches hard. <laughs> I was like, what? What? <laughs> I don't know. I didn't. It didn't distract me at all, actually. Yeah. Okay. Well. Yeah. I I really enjoyed it, and I thought he was definitely like. Have you? There's a really great interview. I think they're they're portraying a specific interview of him. I think. Um. I'll I'll have to throw it into the podcast, like in the middle. But it's him going on this late night show and it's him young and it's like he's wearing the exact same outfit that he's wearing in the inter- interview that, that 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 they have him wearing in this movie. And he is like it is the most unhinged Nicolas Cage I've ever seen. He's like literally like finger guns at the audience. He's like kicking. He's like jumping over the, the I mean, it's like that. um the fucking Tom Cruise interview with Oprah where he's just <laughs> losing it. It's basically that, but it's Nicolas Cage. It's pretty great. And I'm pretty sure that's what they're referencing. I'm going to throw it in into the episode. Um, Welcome, Nicolas Cage. Understatement's the watchword tonight. Oh, my, hang on, my mic, darn it, all that physical activity just took my mic off. Oh, man, yeah. please do. Yeah, um, so yeah, I, 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 I agree, I think it was, it was, it was kind of a, a perfect, oh, I'm, according to, uh, Screen Rant, I am right, it is from his interview with, uh, Terry Wogan, um, it's, it's great. I'm impressed that you, I'm impressed that you know that, honestly, like, that's, <laughs> I, I know you said you're a fan, but I'm, I am impressed that you know that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm definitely, a, definitely a big Nick Cage fan. I, uh, yeah. And, and the, what I love about it is like how self self-referential it is. They reference so many of his movies. So, um, kind of getting back to the plot and then just kind of jump in, in the moments that you want to discuss further. Like, so it's clear his, you know, his, He's got a, you know, he ends up in therapy with his daughter, um, and the daughter's pretty clearly not interested in this therapy session at all. She knows Nicolas Cage is like a complete narcissist, and, you know, he claims to want to build a relationship with her by like showing her movies that he really likes, and she's not, she's not into it. She's a teenager. Um, and so then 
it's it's it ends up being her birthday and uh he shows up he shows up he finds out he didn't get the uh the movie role uh from the beginning which big shocker there that they, they make it pretty clear he's not gonna get it um but i will say one thing i did love um his agent is uh neil patrick harris dude how can we forget about mph like that that his role wasn't super heavy but goddamn mph shows up dude Oh, totally. Yeah, it, it 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 feels like the that like Harold and Kumar cameo that he has. I just feel like the cameos that he does are so fucking good. Because um, there's one scene where they're they're kind of talking about his career, and this is when Nick, when NPH kind of pitches, "Hey, you should go see this Spanish guy. He's a big fan. He's going to give you a million dollars." Um, but before that, they're going to this like spa, and they're basically getting like flogged, <laughs> and NPH is like clearly super into it, but like. He's like, this is awesome, and then they'll like slap him. He's like, oh fuck me. <laughs> he's like, how is this relaxing for anyone? He just beats the pain, beats the tension right out of you. Fuck. I was like, wow. <laughs> it made a whole generation and a whole room of people excited and very uncomfortable at the same time. It's fantastic. I, yeah, I was very into it. <laughs> I, you know, culturally, I don't think I was, but other than that, I was. It was pretty funny. Yeah. Um. That was that was supposed to be a joke, everybody. By the way, that was just. <laughs> um, so then, uh, so then he's at his daughter's birthday party, and uh, he finds out he didn't get that role. So now he's like, "Okay, clearly I need to like get out of this acting thing, or maybe I should start considering that that a million dollar offer." Um, so so he starts drinking pretty heavily at his daughter's party. <laughs> And uh, he completely interrupts the the celebration. There, she's like blowing out candles for the cake, and uh, he comes up and he he gets on the piano and he starts <laughs> he starts playing her this song that he claims he's been writing for the past I don't know what was it like t- ten fifteen years or something like that. Yeah, he's like, oh, we were out in the desert together looking at the stars, and I wrote this song for you. <laughs> I'm so okay. I'm apologizing to everybody right now. I would do my very best. To not just start laughing randomly, but whenever I remember this movie, it just makes me laugh even more because I'm remembering scenes that I just thought were ridiculous, and it's just great. But yes, he wants. It's supposed to be like a beautiful birthday tribute, but really, it's just you know he's drunk off his ass. He didn't get this role, and now he wants to be the center again. He like stumbles through and like embarrasses his daughter with the guy that she likes. Go, oh, you shut up like a weed there. Look how strong you are. You're you're the excuse me big man on campus. That kind of crap. So yes. I'm sorry. It's a great movie. I'm just going to keep laughing. Please continue. You must stop me, Kyle. No, no, no. This is great. This is what this is, what this is supposed to be. We're supposed to be talking about the moments we liked. So, um, so yeah, he embarrasses himself. He basically gets kicked out of his daughter's uh, birthday thing. His his wife drives him home, and she's like, you got to get your shit together. Like, she needs a dad, not this, like, psychotic actor that just, like, can't get his life together. <laughs> So he goes to his hotel and he calls his manager um, and he's like, yeah, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to do the damn thing. Um, so he, he ends up flying out to, to uh, Mallorca in Spain. And uh, it's in this moment where we, we get introduced to Tiffany Haddish and Ike Barinholtz and they're, they're clearly like, I think at first I thought maybe they were like a right. So I, th- I think I knew that Javi was like a, a drug kingpin type person or something beforehand. Um, so, but at first I thought, uh, maybe they're like a rival group and they're going to use this guy like as leverage to try and take him down. I didn't realize it was FBI at first. I don't know if you had made that connection. 
Honestly, no. When I saw the trailer, um, I didn't know much about what was happening. I thought it was going to be, since, you know, some movies when they use the actor's, like, real name, it's just like a, um, uh, not a personified, but a, uh, a fictionalized version of that actor. Sometimes they'll have, like, oh, they're at a party, like how they had, um, what's the movie with, like, Seth Rogen and, like, not Seth, yeah, Seth Rogen, where it's, like, the the end of the world or whatever, but it's, like, all of the people oh, in yeah. their real lives. Michael Sarah's doing I thought it was in the bathroom. <laughs> yeah, which was, I'll never get over that one, seeing Michael Sarah's ass just, like, just there. <laughs> um, no, I thought it was something like that, where they were just like, oh, hey, you know, like, we're going to this party and Nick Cage is here, so they have, like, people show up, like, oh, my God, it's Nick Cage. I had no idea about any of the connections whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> so, so anyways, they, uh, you know, they, they, they realize it's not the guy they were expecting. It's Nicholas Cage. And, uh, which I don't remember if they, or I, maybe I don't remember if they even, even address like who they were expecting it to be. I think maybe it was, they did. Oh, they did. Okay. They expected it to be hobby, which was even weirder. Oh, that is weird. Like, I don't know how they, if they were surveying his house, how the hell would they think he was on a plane? Yeah, exactly. That is super weird. So, so basically Tiffany Haddish, um, puts the tracker on Nicholas Cage and she just kind of like acts like a fan of his. And so now they're like tracking him back to, to Javi's house and they have this great exchange where she's talking about, um, have you have you seen him in Crudes too? And like Baron Holtz is like, no, I'm fucking forty years old. I've seen Face Off. <laughs> I was like, that is just perfect. It's so good. Uh, that that was good. He's like, why the fuck do you guys see me? I've seen Crudes too. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and it was funny because it made me think, was he? I don't know if he was in Crudes because I would again would have never seen that. And it also made me think, is is like Baron Holtz really forty four? Like all the things that made me think out of nowhere just had me laughing. So Nicolas Cage is in Crudes too. Um, no shit. Yeah, which I, to be honest, I don't even know what the movie is. Um, I think it's a kids' movie. Um, and then Ike Barinholtz is forty-five years old. No shit. He looks good okay. for forty-five. Yeah, shout out to Ike. Yeah, I mean, you look great in the movie, except for when you got shot in the head. Yeah, that was not Off a good camera. Look. That was a bad look. <laughs> um so he he gets to javi's house he's like clearly not having it he's just like i want to get my money and and go he's he's clearly very depressed and uh javi is like being the person that i would be around nicholas cage where he's like a total fanboy um he's being kind of like cagey doesn't know how to address him he like clearly wants to show him this like screenplay that he wrote um and then his like girlfriend slash assistant slash business partner i don't know what what her relationship really was um, yeah that's that's a fair one that's all all of that's accurate <laughs> yeah so she's like trying to push him to like engage with him and and that's when nicholas cage kind of announces to them i'm quitting acting I'm, I'm done i'm out of this and uh he does the um the leaving las vegas pool scene where he's like <laughs> drinking beer and he just like sinks to the bottom of the pool and he just sits there it's a very depressing <laughs> depressing moment it's supposed to be but i was just laughing oh yeah me too like, i was like just, oh this is so, leaving it, las it's, vegas it's so yeah, exactly for a fan like you you would know the reference and go like oh my god they put this in here for me i didn't know that reference but i knew it was over the top and it was just like 
not how you're supposed to react to the situation you're in. Yeah, I'm like, so he's in he's in Mallorca, which is like one of the most beautiful islands in the world, and he's like on this like coastal mansion. He's like looking out over the ocean. It's just a beautiful day. And he's like, fuck this. I'm so depressed. I'm just gonna like drown in this pool. <laughs> and Javi jumps in after him and pulls him up. I mean, yeah, let's keep building on this because I want to get to a one particular scene that really threw me off but had me absolutely dying. And it's the scene in the car. Uh, which one? Is this like way later or? So at this point, you know, he's depressed, doesn't want to stop. He wants to stop acting. And then the FBI taps on him to start like snooping around the house because, of, yeah, you're right. That is a weird subplot, which is funny because they actually address that in the movie about the whole kidnapping. Right. Because the movie opens with the movie opens with that, like out of nowhere. Like you don't you open. Oh, wow. We forgot about that entirely. Oh, yeah. It doesn't actually start with Nicolas Cage uh, auditioning for a role. It's a, a Spanish girl. And, and her partner, presumably, are watching a Nicolas Cage movie, and then these random guys come in and kidnap her. Which, which funny yeah. enough, I, I, so I remember when they announced this movie, it was like, I don't know if it's officially when they announced it, it's when I found out about it, it was like right around COVID. The original plot was Javier, or uh, Pedro Pascal was, was going to be the president of Mexico, and his daughter got kidnapped, and he hires Nicolas Cage to get his daughter back that was like the original plot of the movie which i honestly think i would have enjoyed more (laughs) it was funny too that's something that they kind of kept in the weeds for a minute uh during the movie for that subplot i couldn't figure out who was kidnapped and who was holding who like i thought that that whole scene that happened in the beginning was a flashback that happened and so javi was in the future now talking about how much he loved nicholas cage and that the girl he wanted to rescue was the girl who was kidnapped in the beginning. I thought that was his daughter, like you just said, because the way they kind of... It's funny you say that. I honestly thought the girl who got kidnapped was his daughter. Right, yeah. Yeah, I did too at first. Yeah. Um... More gems and more layers from Sir Nicholas Cage. <laughs> Excellent work. Um, yeah, what is, <laughs> what is the, the car scene? Is this where they take the, uh, the LSD? Yes. <laughs> okay so let me just we'll, we'll blow through this really quick so they kind of like so they finally bond over their love of film um you know uh javi really likes uh cabinet of dr caligari um which was a movie he tried to get his daughter into and she didn't like it and javi says it's like one of his favorites and then he also says paddington too is his favorite movie and like nicholas cage is like you gotta be fucking me so then they <laughs> so then they end up watching paddington too and like nick ends up loving it um so then yeah he gets he gets tapped by the fbi later that night and they're like javi is this like big drug dealer he's got this young girl that's like been kidnapped it's like a it's a political rival right yeah it's like the current president's daughter and the way they spin it is that the cartel or whatever you call it or drug whatever will hold the daughter unless the current president chooses to step down so that way the person who they want to run who's more like cartel friendly can be in position and be in power yeah so so he uh, i remember so much more of that plot than i thought yeah the, yeah it's, it's kind of <laughs> complex which is i think kind of like what audiences want right now i think they want like a more complex less simple movie um <clears throat> so anyways he agrees to to tap in javi's house 
um and the way he kind of like gets around it is like i'm gonna make this movie that javi wrote um we're gonna be buddies and that way i can gather more intel on him um so anyways i I can't remember is the lsd before or after that party where he's like going into their server room i think it's after so that's that's after so basically like they're trying to write this movie and like Nick, Nick's heck, I don't have a way to, I don't really feel inspired, I don't really know, because at this point they say, oh, go check these places, see if this girl's there, and Javi finds him snooping around, he's like, listen, I know how to motivate us, you know, to, to brainstorm the idea, and he's like, well, what's that? He's like, oh, it's LSD, and Nick's like, ah, fuck it, alright. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the acid trip was pretty great, I love, uh... They're driving very casually throughout that whole movie. <laughs> I'm like, I would not want to drive on acid. I could not imagine that. I love the whole scene where they're just watching the two guys. And here's, like, Nick Cage, who's an actor, right? Already paranoid because of he's trying to get information from this drug, supposed drug lord about the kidnaps of this girl when he's a regular civilian trying to get information. And then you have Javi, who thinks Nicolas Cage is poking around, but for a reason that he doesn't really understand yet, being paranoid of each other and then taking LSD and having a shared collective experience of being paranoid and then trying to run from these two old guys who I don't think were even there in the second scene. I think they just like LSD imagined them. And oh, then yeah, the whole it's like completely scene... different people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then the whole scene where they're trying to get up the wall and it's not... <laughs> it's... <laughs> it's this whole like scene you see like go on without me i can't get over the wall they're coming for me blah blah blah. and you know it's this movie has too many layers Calvin. that's the problem (laughs) i agree it's like everyone just go watch go watch the movie why are you listening to us right now go watch the movie then come back and listen to us or email us or contact us on instagram mostly instagram more so twitter eventually but contact us and tell us about let's have a dialogue about this movie because there's too much to talk about in a very short period of time, but we will attempt it, and we are here for you. We won't leave you behind, because after all, Nicolas Cage bonded with the Mandalorian. That is true. That is true. Oh, I hadn't even I hadn't even thought about that because it's funny. Didn't Nick Cage had this like whole big rant about about Marvel and Star Wars in general? And yes. Like, <laughs> and now he's like starring side by side with Mando. Like that's so funny. Wow, I had not it's even funny, made that it? connection. <laughs> During the whole movie, I kept looking at him going, this guy looks so damn familiar. Like, And one thing um, my partner and I looked up, when they had the scene where they go, oh, you know, I feel like I, I just haven't talked. You're a friend I haven't talked to in like 15 years. We can pick up where we left off. Those two were actually in a TV show where Nicholas uh, guest starred for one episode like 10 or 15 years ago. And they just kept in contact or met up again. I don't even know how the story happened, but we were curious and we Googled it. And that's what we found out. Oh my gosh, that's insane! Well, and then, and then also Nicolas Cage is a Ghost Rider, which is a Marvel. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about Ghost Rider. <laughs> yeah, just a terrible film. Um, oh. I definitely saw the first one. I don't think I saw the second one. You know, I forgot there was a second one. <laughs> so, anyways, they uh, they drive off on, on their acid trip after having like a bad scare with these like fake mobsters, and. Uh, so that I guess the Tiffany Haddish and, and Ike Barinholtz were like, we kind of have an idea where this girl is. We think it's a space. So like whenever you get some time away from him, try and go in this room. And, and so Javi passes out during the car ride home. And so he like tries to sneak in and, 
And then Javi kind of walks up behind him. He's like, do you want to see what's back there? It's going to like change our whole relationship. And it's, it's very tense. And you're like, Oh God, he's going to like show him the girl. He's going to. And then (laughs) my favorite part of the whole movie, um, he takes him into this room and it's just strictly Nicolas Cage memorabilia. (laughs) And it is fucking awesome. There's so much goddamn Nick Cage memorabilia in this room. <laughs> I, that's one thing too. I love that they kept that. So I know the subplot wasn't your favorite, and yes, it was kind of like weird to put it in. But the being able to go from the suspense and tension to just nonsense like that—that's what made me enjoy the movie a lot, honestly. Yeah, I mean this this was the moment where I was like, it's so self-referential, and uh, uh, it's it just seems like a love letter to to Nick Cage and Nick Cage fans because. There, there's a moment like when he first walks in you see all this memorabilia they've got like scripts they've got the uh the sound clap i, for, I forget what it's called um from the rock oh, oh. they've yep. they've got he's got like <laughs> scripts and then i remember like sitting in the theater with my partner and i look and i point and i'm like that has got to be the chainsaw from mandy and then he immediately goes oh you've got the chainsaw from mandy i was like fuck yes oh my god <laughs> which just a, a quick uh side sidebar have you seen mandy i have oh uh, i have to check I, th- I haven't seen an actual nick cage film in so long i feel like i have though so it's a horror movie it's like a psychedelic horror movie um it came out in like 2018 it is so fucking phenomenal if you, i mean you like horror right no, I mean no. You don't. Okay. Actually, what about what about um? But you like you like like a revenge movie like um, like the Keanu revenge movies. I forget what they're called. Uh, oh, John Wick. Yeah. I actually haven't seen any of those. Oh really? Okay. I'm gonna say maybe oh. watch Mandy. I will say horror fans okay, definitely I'll, watch Mandy. I'll look it up and I'll and I'll be able to get back to you on that. But no, it sounds familiar. That's why when you said, "Oh, it's the Chainsaw from Mandy," like. Chainsaw and Mandy, those two things together, you'd know it's going to be a horror film. Any person's name that ends in a Y and you had a chainsaw, bad shit's going to happen. <laughs> There's basically a really Sorry. great battle with a chains- <laughs> with two chainsaws. It's fucking awesome. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Let's check it out. Yeah, it's a very trippy movie. Um, but then, like, the best moment is uh, he's got this, like, bust of him from uh, The Rock. Or, no, what, what movie is it? Is it The Rock? Shit. Or no, no, it's Face Off. It's uh, Caster Troy. Yeah. He's got the the like gold pistols. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which Face Off? I feel like we could do a whole episode on Face Off. We 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 totally could actually. We should do that. We should have a retro like we should do basically that we did with uh, Total Recall. Just watch Face Off again. Oh yeah, we should. Yeah, let's uh let's bring people in like we did last time where they get to pick what we watch. Cobb. Where are you, bud? Um, I know you're with child, but like, uh, and you guys aren't doing the podcast anymore. But come back. You want to watch Face Off? Yeah, come come watch Face Off, man. We'll do uh, we'll do Face we'll Waterfall. Except for the fact that, like, you know, one of us has, may have been exposed to COVID. We'll come to Conchi and watch watch uh, old Face Off. I'm vaxxed and waxed. We'll be all right. I just need a few days. <laughs> I just saw that Shuff is starting a whole new. He's been traveling around the U.S. He's uh, getting ready to start a whole new segment of his travels. Actually, oh, that's awesome. Uh, what's his? Do we yeah. know his uh, Insta? We should. I'll throw him in the description. <laughs> we'll throw the description right now. I, I don't know. Yeah, so support him and his uh, his endeavors. Um, 
Shuff store and Brendan Shuff. I still remember that intro. Oh, it's a, it's a great <laughs> intro. Their theme song is so dope. Um, so I, so after this is the party, right? Where the I want you to take over here on the the party scene where they where they have him go like take over the server server room. Oh, okay, this is actually so. This is uh, the party. I think the party is actually before all this because he didn't start actually cooperating with them because he felt like he had some moxie to be a spy. Um, but nevertheless, we'll go over the party scene. So basically, it's weird because the transitions in the movie sometimes would kind of cut from like real life to uh, Nick Cage's headspace and then back and just kind of building a scene out of nowhere. So the transitions can be like, oh, he's like walking in there writing this, you know what's happening to him going in his own head and then just imagining something and it being real. So the party scene had that kind of transition. He was wearing a white suit. Um, he had to find a way to stay on the island more than the time he was supposed to be there. And that's why he agreed to write the movie with Hobby at Hobby's party. Um, in doing so, they're like, listen, we don't have information on this house. We need to tap it. You, you're going to go and install um, the surveillance system on the house. He's like, nah, okay, well, whatever. And... <laughs> Basically, they were able to uh, create a blip in the system and knock the power out for like four seconds. In that point of time, he was supposed to slip away to the server room to go and <laughs> install these devices. Which I feel so, like they didn't explain know. this at all. It was just like they were explaining it as it was happening. And I was like, I, I feel like this would have taken a long time to set up. Oh, I agree. I 100% agree. Like if they were able to tap all that information in the amount of time to short out the house... They should have just been able to install stuff on inside. There's a lot of holes in the actual. Never mind. Anyway, yes, I agree with you. <laughs> um, but then you wouldn't have a movie. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> um, so <laughs> you wouldn't have this gym of a scene that happens next. So Nick Cage is swearing up a storm because, you know, he's nervous. He doesn't want to get caught or killed by these guys. And there's, he's, there's no one there who can come save him. And they give him a little kit to install uh, the network patch so they can see inside the house, including something to help knock out anyone who may come give him trouble. So he puts this drug in his hand. It's on like a little plastic film. And they're talking to him about <laughs> how absolutely potent and lethal it is. Like, you shouldn't put this on you. It'll knock you out and they'll find you, blah, blah, blah. And in his like rush, he like is sweating. So he wipes his brow. He goes, okay, cool, whatever. And he's like, wait a minute. I just touched my face. <laughs> <laughs> and then <laughs> Ike, who was Ike's character, who was against this the entire time, loses his shit. <laughs> oh yeah, he says something about like going back to work for like the Navy SEALs or something like that. I don't remember. Like, who it was. You know, he, <laughs> no, he said we're gonna get fired to go back home and live with my mom and work at Radio Shack or something, something <laughs> like that. <laughs> we let Nick, we let Nick Cage fucking die. This is stupid. We're gonna get caught. All this, he just lost his mind. So the whole scene now goes into, I don't remember the name of the drug, but basically it was almost like, I don't know, solid chlorophyll or whatever kind of chlorophyll knockout drug that can be absorbed through the skin on contact. Well, they, That's made, it, what they it made it sound like it would kill him if he didn't take the um, antidote. Yeah, they <laughs> <I> did. <laughs> so you get this hilarious scene of him trying to still avoid this guard who's going to inspect the room. Um, while he is actively starting to get more and more uh, drunk isn't the right word. Just high, I guess. 
Yeah. What would you call it? He's just getting more and more, like, just <laughs> the tension is on. He has to go. So imagine all the scenes you've seen with, like, Tom Cruise hanging outside of a plane for Mission Impossible 12, um, Escape from Oprah's Couch or whatever. And, you know, the tension you actually feel in those movies, coupled with Nick Cage swearing and slurring, almost fall, about to fall out of a window because he's, like, getting more and more, like, irreverent and about to pass out and get caught. So, <laughs> I can't describe that well enough, honestly. It's just a wild scene. He has to climb out to a balcony and, like, shimmy across while he's being coached by Tiffany Haddish and Mike Barinholz on how not to fall and die. And if he does die, well, then they're all dead and the girl's dead and all this other crazy stuff's going to happen. And at one point, like, he gets has to go back to the antidote, which he left in the room. He lays down and starts falling asleep, and they can't wake him up. He's not listening. Oh, Nick, wake up, blah, blah, blah. Nikki comes out and is like, hey, you dumb idiot. This is what you get. Ha, ha, ha. You know, you can't kill us. This is our career. And then Tiffany Haddish yells action. And for some reason, because he's an actor, he just knows to get up and stab himself in the leg with the energy. <laughs> <laughs> none of that, none of this makes sense. <laughs> it really doesn't. But I uh, I do love the physical comedy of that scene. I was like, Nick Cage is really good at physical comedy. Yeah, because like he just like drags himself across the, <laughs> the floor like an inchworm, just sliding his face into the, the, the carpet, and then just passes out. <laughs> so it ends up working. He's out. like he's just a lot more. He's he's a lot more fun than like I think people give him credit for. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, um, and then so I, I forget. So after that. Um, after that, he he that, gets the text about their their phones being tapped, right? Um. Okay. So we do jump a little bit. Uh. Let's see. So after Nick goes into the room where he sees his own golden guns, and we go through a bunch, a bunch of Nick Cage history. Um. Hobby's a little pissed off because he feels like you know Nick's still kind of stuck and not able to be as creative as possible. They share their stories about their families and how Nick wishes he could bond with his daughter. And Javi thinks the only way to get Nick to bond with his daughter is to, like, you know, they keep, he, Javi, ah, well, sorry, Nick keeps trying to get Javi to talk. Say, hey, you know, we should add a kidnapping scene and then to kind of help him, like, start talking about a girl he's kidnapped so he can show her. Because it doesn't feel like Javi is, like, as bad as of a guy as people say he is. And he keeps using his, the fact that he's a trained actor to know people's feelings and there's no way he could be a bad guy. Um, Javi decides to bring Nick's family to um, the mansion to try and resolve some of those issues so the creative writer's block that Nick is suffering from, obviously, can be redeemed and they can finish their movie. It's at that point when Nick's like, what the hell, why did you bring them here, thinking Javi's super dangerous, that Tiffany Haddish says, hey, we just got notification our phones have been tapped, we have to pull out, you need to get out, and we're going to do our best to help you. That's when the movie kind of takes a bit of a turn and gets more definitely action driven um and that's when we kind of find out some of the bigger twists in the movie that kind of i guess kind of take over uh the whole like I've, it's a weird mix because i feel like it kind of helps solidify the whole friendship between nick and javi because they're choice they're having to come to a crossroads on how to handle the situation where you know like we're going to term if javi kills nick or nick kills javi that's how they would solve the situation or how that would be teed up. 
we find out that Javi actually isn't the drug lord that we thought. It's his cousin who we were introduced to earlier in the movie, but he just seems like this kind of a reverent guy who's hanging around being kind of reckless. Um, so the cousin finds out that Nicolas Cage has been, he taps Nicolas Cage, finds out that, that he's been working with the FBI, gives Javi an ultimatum, he'll kill Nicolas Cage, or, and then, you know, the FBI says kill Javi, not knowing that Javi's not the mastermind. Uh, wow, there's a lot to kind of try to catch up here. So please follow along. It's going to get a little bumpy on this road. <laughs> You're doing great, Zach. F- I'm trying. It's, it's actually called coming back to me at once. <laughs> <laughs> so Nick, they have this whole scene where they go to, Nick decides what he's going to do. He goes and gets his golden guns from Javi's uh, memorial, or not memorial, his uh, collector fan collector's item. They drive out to the same cliff where Nick and Javi had first started to bond, have this whole talk about how uh, their movie would have been, how they would have enjoyed it. One thing I was actually throwing here, too, is how they did go back to this whole movie made fun of itself the entire time, talking about how they wanted to be character-driven, but audiences hate that, and no one's going to really care. They have to have some action going, so they throw in action. It was really just like a... It was almost like if you went and started writing something and then started acting out as you wrote it, and said, this is great, and this kind of played off. It's almost like watching improv. I mean, obviously, it was more choreographed and planned out than improv, but they mixed in weird layers of, like, improv, slapstick, very serious things, because Tiffany Haddish got shot, and so did, like, Baron Holes. And, you know, just, it's a really, wow, we're taking it apart now. This is a really <laughs> weird movie. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, it is kind of, I should say, it is similar in uh, some of his, his past work, too. Um one where he's playing two separate characters, um, but two where he's like writing a movie. I don't, have you seen Adaptation? Yeah, that's right. It, I forgot about that. Yeah, so it's it's kind of similar in that way. But yeah, this this movie is. The, I mean, the more we talk about it, the more I realize how complex it is, and then probably the higher score I'm going to give it now. Um, <laughs> it's really good. Um, yeah, it's it's a, it's a really hard one to actually. Like, I, we always say, oh, go watch the movie. But I feel like it's just, if you can appreciate and kind of look into it and see how clever it actually is overall, it's a, it's, I loved it, honestly. It's just a, it's, it's just hard to, it's hard to contain and explain about. Like, even us explaining it now and kind of telling you what's happening is very different than experiencing it. I know we can say that about a lot of different movies, but this one's so layered and there's so many Easter eggs written into it that, it's really worth watching just to kind of experience it, honestly. Yeah. I, th- th- so there's a moment basically where they're, they're going to kill each other and they have a great shoe swapping scene. And I love that. Uh, <laughs> I Nick, forgot about Nick that. Cage <laughs> is wearing uh, checkered vans and I just love it. Um, and then they realize like they need to like stick together um, and they're going to stop his cousin. Um, <laughs> and there's a scene basically where they're about to get chased by his cousin's guards and they're going to drive away and, and Javi's like, no, you need to drive. I heard you did all your stunts and gone in 60 seconds. So you're like, you're a better driver. And I was just like, Oh my God, <laughs> the references are so good. Um, and so, so, uh, Javi's cousin kidnaps, uh, Nicholas Cage's daughter. Um, and then his, so his ex-wife is a, uh, a hairstylist or a makeup, a makeup specialist. And oh I guess God, they, goodness. they met on like a film set I, that I don't know if that's true. If him and his, his ex, 
uh, if if she works in the in the film industry. But basically, they dress him. They like dress him up like some other person that that Javi's cousin was expecting to meet, and like immediately gets caught. Like it's it does not last long, and then. Um, is it Javi that comes in and starts shooting the place up? Or no, it's his wife. It's his, so... Oh, man. I know that I know that Nick grabs a gun and is able to, like, get... He points at the boss's head and is like, hey, get the girls, get out of here, everyone drop your gun. Well, that's what it was. So yeah. It was like a standoff. Yeah. yeah. And then Javi, like, is like, wait, where's Nick? He's like, he's back. He's like, well, I gotta go get him. So that's when, yes, he goes in and gets Nick after that. And it starts this whole chase sequence. Yeah, which was actually kind of fun i really <laughs> like that chase sequence i did like it during the initial part before they got back to the house where he's like they slam on the brakes and the guy in the motorcycle slams into the back of the uh the broad the land cruiser which by the way movie magic land cruisers can't turn that way or go that fast <laughs> um and, uh, he hits the back of it and he goes okay it's all good this guy's completely knocked out <laughs> and the guy punches javi in the face <laughs> You know, it's funny. There, there is a, there's kind of a call, or there's a, there's a moment where they show a knife. When that guy lands in the vehicle, he drops a knife, and like they show it explicitly. And I was like, man, I wonder what that's teasing. And then it's not until like probably twenty minutes later, after this big chase scene, um, there, you know, Nicholas Cage drives to the embassy, the American embassy, so that his family can be safe from Javi's cousin. And uh, so Javi's cousin puts a gun to Nick Cage. Or no, no, no. He puts a gun to his... No, it is Nick Cage, right? Yeah. Oh, you're right. Yeah. Nick yeah. Cage, because they, they, crash, they crash into the embassy and I think they're safe. But then Javi's cousin runs up with like an Uzi and grabs him and pulls him out of the, out of the, uh, the cruiser. Yeah. And then, and then his daughter throws the knife to him and he like stabs the cousin. It's pretty great. Um... <laughs> but okay. It's great, but it's even during that scene when the knife gets grabbed. It's really subtle unless you like are actually if you if you because I saw it, everyone saw it. But when they, they grab the knife and start throwing, the scene is completely different, and there's completely different people in the scene. Oh right, yeah. So then it, it it like fades into what the movie that Nick Cage and Javi wrote together. You kind of find out that everyone's safe, and they were basically the movie that they make is what they experienced together, which was pretty great. Everyone's sick except for Ike Barinholson and uh, Oh right, yeah, they're dead. Tiffany yeah, yeah, they're dead. Yeah, they're pretty pretty dead. Like, they never went back to that, so I'm just gonna assume that they definitely died. Yeah, they're gone. <laughs> um, <laughs> I just like how they changed things. It wasn't the Ameri- it wasn't the US embassy anymore, it was like the Capitol building and they were driving a Hummer. <laughs> His wife was Demi Moore. Let's <laughs> just Americanize the shit out of this scene. So yeah, they so they they have the big movie premiere. It seems like it's a big success, and then um, Javi wants to see if Nick wants to go do like press or whatever, and he's like, "No, nah, I'm gonna spend time with the family." And then I was like, "I know what they're gonna do. I know what they're gonna do right now. They're gonna watch Paddington too." And okay, I'm not gonna lie, that one did catch me off guard. It was so good. <laughs> I like that. There's a, so he like asks his daughter what she wants to do. And she's being kind of like coy, and she's like, "Well, have you seen like Paddington too?" And they watch it, and I was just like, "Oh, this is so fucking wholesome! This is such a sweet, <laughs> such a sweet ending to the movie." Uh, to be honest with you, the actual ending was even sweeter. What was the actual ending? The actual ending is like they pan up from like them like laughing about Paddington back to Nikki 
yelling, Nick fucking! Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so good. So good. I forgot there's one more reference I have to mention. They're talking please about... Please do. What's that? I said, please do. Oh, okay. Um, they're talking about the movie and the outfit that he's going to wear. And he's like, well, I wanted to wear this big like belt with a tarantula on it. Um, but the, the fashion person was like, no, 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 you got, you got to have a really, like really big belt with a, with a B on it. And he goes, not the base, not the base. And I was just like this. Yes. They're, they're referencing Wicker yes. Man. The Wicker Man reference. It's so good. Now, funny thing about that is we were heading into the theater as Calvin was heading out. And I said, I want to know two things. Do they reference Eleanor and do they reference the Wicker Man? And Calvin's like, I won't tell you how, but the answer is yes. I was like, I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, oh man, it was just like, it was such a great movie. It's definitely like, there there are great movies where it's like, I'll probably never go back and watch it. And there's a few of those Nick Cage ones. Like, I don't know if I could stomach watching Pig again. Um, it's just a super heavy movie. But this is, this is one that's like, I'm definitely going to like get the Blu-ray for this. Like, I don't buy physical media too often, um, but like I really, I'm dying to see like special features. I want to hear the director's commentary because like Nick Cage didn't write this movie. It was like it was a group of writers that are just like clearly big Nick Cage fans. So like I want, I want to hear, <laughs> you know, like I, I also want to know like what references were cut because like I felt like they went pretty tame on the National Treasure references. I feel like that could have been That's most true. of the movie. I want to know exactly like how the pitch went down. Like, I feel like there's also a scene in there where they, like, even if, what maybe the opening scene wasn't even Nick. Like, Nick was trying to pitch himself and get a role in the movie. Maybe this was, like, them playing out, them trying to pitch it to him. And he was like, what the fuck is this? Like, what? Right. <laughs> so. He was like, that's, yeah. Like, what if they're like, hey, man, you want to play a, a, you want to play yourself just, like, sucking at life? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, not really. <laughs> I'm gonna pass, guys. Yeah. Um, okay, <laughs> so we're we're kind of nearing the end here. Um, but before we go, um, you know, Nicholas Cage has a a long storied, um, you know, uh, filmography, and actually uh, is uh, I don't know if you know this, he's related to Francis Ford Coppola, um, yes. which they reference in the movie, I think um you you caught a very subtle reference actually i was impressed by that i didn't i didn't catch it at first which one but the horses the horses the horse heads when javi's cousin acts like he's gonna kill oh him. yeah yeah right yeah it's a it's a godfather godfather reference yeah and it's super subtle if you don't know what the horse head means like i've seen the godfather and that one totally i, I totally missed that one without really like paying attention right um so um obviously got a, a storied filmography but they didn't reference every one of his movies so is there a movie you would have liked to see a reference to in this you know i'm pretty sure there's a lot that i've missed reference wise so i have to go back and check well it, it can um, be one that you missed but you know oh yeah that's fair no i think like <laughs> I'm going to watch it again. It's worth watching again. I want to say they caught all the ones that I really wanted to see. Um, 
I'd have to go back and look, honestly. But I think I, I think I, everything I wanted to see, I saw and was really happy about. That's fair. That's fair. I, I think they, they, they hit a lot of them. I would have liked to see like a, you know, he was a noir Spider-Man and into the Spider-Verse. I would have liked to see a noir Spider-Man reference, maybe. I think that would be fun. Um, see, I didn't know that, actually. Oh, yeah. So, highly recommend. It's actually, it's probably my favorite Spider-Man movie is Into the Spider-Verse. And uh, Nicolas Cage plays one of the, the alternate dimension Spider-Mans, and it's noir Spider-Man. So, he's like a, a detective. He's really cool. That's definitely worth watching now. I, I hadn't watched it at all. <laughs> and then um, there's uh, a movie he did last year. So he did two movies last year. One I loved and one that was just like absolutely fucking terrible. Um, it was a horror movie <laughs> called uh, Willy's Wonderland, which was basically just like a horror ripoff of Five Nights at Freddy's. He like basically played this guy that was like cleaning up a uh, like basically like a Chuck E. Cheese overnight and the animatronics came back to life and tried to kill him. Um, it's really bad. That said, also super fun to watch. So um so yeah all right (laughs) (laughs) i would have liked to see a reference to that um but yeah that i think that's about it uh you know i'm on i'm on the nick cage watch he's got some some movies coming up uh that i'm looking forward to um he's gonna be in that uh new dracula movie um that looks really cool he's gonna be playing a vampire which i'm i'm pretty excited for um that's hilarious considering the myth about him being a vampire in the first place is there a myth of, of him being a vampire? Oh, dude, go look it up. Oh, yes. I love it. He does kind of look like one. <laughs> There's a picture from like 100 years ago of some dude that looks like picked shot for shot just like him. Really? Okay. Well, yeah. I'll have to check it out. All right. Um, so, yeah, that was our, our review of Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. Um, definitely go see it. If you haven't already, you shouldn't have listened to this if you if you haven't already seen it, but um let us know what you thought um hit us up social media um this pod is for nerds basically everywhere um (laughs) and if you're interested in coming on the show let us know we actually have some people that we were gonna bring on for uh the pandemonium hit so uh we're gonna be bringing some people back out to round out some of this and get some other opinions on some stuff we're doing we're gonna be changing locations changing setups outdoor stuff adding videos apparently not a spotify so time to go spend some money on the camera (laughs) god right yeah don't worry i have one that we can use um i i I have one too we we can do multiple shots all the angles you can't see me right now calvin can see me you guys can't see me right now you'll see him soon though don't worry um (laughs) thanks for listening everyone and uh you have listened to this pod is for fucking nerds bye everyone (laughs) fucking flawless